It's Tuesday, April 30th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into infrastructure because across the U.S., it could really use some help. Top Democrats and the president talked it out at the White House. It's one thing Dems and Republicans actually agree on, depending on who fits the bill. Then there are massive protests happening in Venezuela, led by opposition leader Juan Guaido. We'll give you the details. And finally, one model has making history totally covered. We're here to make your Tuesday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Calm. Calm is the number one app to help you reduce your anxiety and improve your sleep. The most complicated story today is about infrastructure. You know, highways, railroads, bridges, airports, tunnels, waterways, power grids, and how to improve it. Sounds boring, but infrastructure is the one topic that pretty much everyone in Washington agrees on. Because everyone in the country needs all of those things every day. They're essential to the economy, but a lot of it is really old. So infrastructure needs a reboot. We're talking about it today because President Trump was talking about it with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer at the White House. The president doesn't agree with the top Democrats on much. But like we said, infrastructure is usually bipartisan. And according to Schumer, today's meeting was constructive. It's clear that both the White House and all of us want to get something done on infrastructure in a big and bold way. And there was goodwill in this meeting. Schumer says Trump has agreed to a $2 trillion infrastructure plan. No word yet from the White House on that. But that's not the end of the story. So today, we're going to get into where the biggest infrastructure breakdowns are, why upgrades are important, and how Democrats and Republicans want to split the check. Like we said, everyone agrees U.S. infrastructure is in bad shape. Most of it was designed in the 1960s. But the problem isn't just that it's old. The population is double the size it was back then. So there are twice as many people using the same old systems. So if you find that your flight is always delayed, or you're constantly stuck in traffic, or your power goes out in a storm like it's the olden days, that's about infrastructure. And that's annoying. But there are also bigger safety issues. For example, there are 90,000 dams in the U.S. that keep water safe and protect rivers and entire towns from flooding. In six years, 70% of them will be 50 years old. A lot of highways, bridges, tunnels haven't been getting the proper updates either. Data analyzed from the Federal Highway Administration shows that 47,000 bridges across the country are, quote, structurally deficient. We've even seen bridges collapse and kill people. Bad infrastructure can have ripple effects, especially when natural disasters hit. Experts say the impact of Hurricane Matthew in 2016, which devastated the southeast U.S., would have been a lot less severe if the local infrastructure had been kept up to date. And all of that can have a huge economic impact as well. When it takes longer for goods and people to get from point A to point B, businesses lose money. The economy loses $120 billion a year just from traffic delays and $35 billion a year due to airport delays. And those are just two examples. Infrastructure needs an upgrade, and Democrats and Republicans all agree on this. The sticking point is, surprise, who cuts the check? Last year, Trump announced a plan for $1.5 trillion in infrastructure spending. We will build, we will maintain, and the vast majority of Americans want to see us take care of our infrastructure. 
But actually, it wasn't 1.5 trillion. He was only ready to foot 200 billion dollars over 10 years. Essentially, his infrastructure plan was to make states and local governments hustle to raise money and get support from private companies to make up the rest of the 1.5 trillion. Both Republicans and Democrats in Congress said, no way. Republicans said, this is still too expensive. And Democrats said the plan would hurt local governments, especially cities, and cut important environmental safeguards. And states said it was putting too much of the burden on them. Trump is reportedly open to more money coming from the federal government, even though members of his own administration aren't happy about that. But to be clear, federal money is tax money. And the question of where to get the funds to pay is still up in the air. One proposal that's been floated is to pay for infrastructure by raising the gas tax. This hasn't been done in over 25 years. Some lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, as well as industry and labor groups, say they're on board. But the top Democrat in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, says he's not cool with it. He says he wouldn't even consider it unless Republicans take back part of their big tax bill. By reversing only the most egregious giveaways in President Trump's tax bill, those given to the wealthiest of the wealthy, and raising the corporate tax rate a smidge, we could finance the entirety, the entirety of a trillion dollar infrastructure bill. So yeah, infrastructure is already being used as a political football. So what's the skim? On a global level, the US is not top of the charts when it comes to infrastructure. Countries like Norway and Germany rank higher in terms of resilience, bouncing back after disruptive events like storms and cyber attacks. U.S. trains for commuters travel at half the speed of high-speed rails in Europe. And more Americans are driving on roads that are crumbling. In the U.S., President Trump and Dems shook hands today on fixing infrastructure and, according to Schumer, a $2 trillion price tag. But there's still no agreement on how to pay for it. Pelosi and Schumer say that's on the docket for next time. In the meantime, the administration's point person on all things infrastructure, the guy who did the legwork for President Trump's original $1.5 trillion plan, left last year. And his replacement is still TBD. While Washington is debating how to update bridges and streets, in Venezuela, protesters took to the streets, calling for updates to the government. That's next. Stress is impossible to avoid. We're working longer hours and are more connected than ever. That's why we're partnering with Calm, the number one app to help you reduce anxiety and stress and improve your sleep. The app has guided meditations and sleep stories, which are designed to help you relax. Right now, Skim This listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com skim. That's C-A-L-M dot skim. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com skim. Get calm and stop stressing. It's getting real in Venezuela right now. Crowds of Venezuelans marched in the streets across the country today. Soon after the self-proclaimed president, Juan Guaido, posted a video on social media calling for protests. In his video, Guaido is surrounded by armed soldiers, and he's calling on the military to defect and support him. He says it's time for the final phase of his fight to get President Nicolas Maduro out of office. But let's back up for a second for a quick reminder. Maduro came into power in 2013 and was re-elected last year. But a lot of people thought the election was rigged. 
So after Maduro was sworn in in January, the head of Venezuela's legislative body, Juan Guaido, said Maduro's presidency wasn't legit. And Guaido claimed that a clause in the constitution made him the country's new interim president. There's been a lot of drama ever since. Guaido has been traveling throughout South America trying to drum up support. About 50 countries have backed him, including the US. Today, Guaido put out that video with soldiers, but it's still unclear how much of the military supports him. In his video, Guaido called for nonviolent action, but tear gas bombs are being thrown by both sides. The National Guard has been seen chasing down protesters, and there's even a video of protesters being run down with armored vehicles. There have been reports of shots being fired. Meanwhile, Maduro still has control of state institutions, and he's holding on to the loyalty of his senior military and political officials. He also has support from countries like Russia, China, and Cuba. He's calling it a coup attempt, and members of his government have called on his supporters to protect the presidential palace. Guaido still says he's the real president, and the U.S. agrees. Here's National Security Advisor John Bolton outside the White House earlier this afternoon. We think it's uh, still very important for key uh, figures in the regime who have been talking to the opposition over these last three months uh, to make good on their commitments to uh, achieve the peaceful transfer of power uh, from the Maduro clique to interim president Juan Guaido. This is definitely Guaido's boldest effort to try to convince the military to turn on Maduro. But if he fails today, it could be seen as evidence that he doesn't actually have the support to lead the country. This story is changing rapidly. We'll have more on Venezuela tomorrow morning in our newsletter, The Daily Skim. If you're not a subscriber yet, you can sign up at theskim.com. It's called the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue. But the magazine's annual special is less about the suits and more about the skin. There's usually a lot of skin. But this year, for the first time, one of the models will be showing almost no skin. The Somali-American model Halima Aden is the first model in the magazine's history to wear a hijab and a burkini for her shoot. A burkini is a full-body bathing suit. Some even cover your hair. In the photos, everything is covered except her face and hands. Sports Illustrated says they want to send the message that women are beautiful no matter what they're wearing. Or how much? Aiden was born in a Kenyan refugee camp and came to the U.S. when she was just seven years old. When she was 19, she became the first woman to wear a hijab in the Miss USA pageant. Now, she's an international model, and she returned to Kenya for her Sports Illustrated photo shoot. The issue comes out in May. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from Japan. Emperor Akihito officially abdicated the throne today. He's the first Japanese monarch to do that in over 200 years. Being emperor is usually a gig for life, but parliament made a one-time exception after the 85-year-old Akihito said he was getting too old for the job. His son, Crown Prince Naruhito, takes over tomorrow. The next in line after Naruhito would be his brother, and then his nephew because Naruhito only has one child, a daughter, and in Japan, only men are allowed to succeed the throne. But fun fact, recent polls show that the majority of Japanese are in favor of changing the rule. And the government says that debate will be back on the table when Naruhito begins his reign. 
And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, by texting the word SKIM to 66866. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 